From Relay FM, this is Virtual Episode 17. This week's episode is brought to you by Brave Wave, the best independent music label you've never heard of. My name is Mike Curley, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Mike. Hi, Federico. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm doing extremely well. It's been a it's been a fun week. Yep. Mike, sorry. Busy day. Now, busy day. Busy day. Busy week. Busy busy couple of days actually uh, since yesterday. Um, it's been a great week so far. Been playing more Pokemon at night. You know. Oh, yeah. How many hours Just, are you in now? Ah, uh, approaching ten. Oh really? So, oh really? Yeah. I've, I've just done twelve. Where are you in in the story? What where what are you up to? <laughs> this is gonna sound really bad. Um, I'm actually I think at my uh, second badge because I'm Rico, spending. What have not, you been doing? <laughs> I've been grinding. <laughs> what? I've been leveling up. <laughs> you don't need to. I know. I just like it. <laughs> what <laughs> level what are your Pokemon do. at? Like um. Well, my DS is turned off right now. Uh, like 20. That's insane. Yeah, I know. I just, I just like to do this kind of stuff. You because, know, like, I do the, I do the same in RPG games as well. I am just, I'm 12 hours in. I have seven badges, and I'm just going into the like the underground cave now, mm-hmm. to to find the the legendary. I can't remember the name. I've got the water one. The big whale one. Can you remember Kyogre. the names? Kyogre. Kyogre. So I'm going. I'm into Kyogre's cave now. Like after fight Team Alpha, like mm-hmm. and I have. Um, I'm looking at my. I'm just. I have like a level 48 Pikachu. Mm. Um, oh no, he's just become level 49 because I had to to beat a Zubat, so I could tell you the rest of my levels. So he's level just 49. Had to beat a, Z- a Zubat. Well, when I opened my DS, <laughs> I was already in a battle, so I've done mm-hmm. that. So. Uh, I destroyed that Zubat, by the way. Uh, I've got a level 52 Swampert, a level 43 Dustox, 41 Latias, 43 Linoon, and 43 Pelipper. Oh, so now you have some some Pokemon in your team. Yeah, I have a strong team now. My team is strong, cool. and I'm happy about it. But this is the thing. like, You don't need to do the grinding yet, because you, once you get the oh, no, no, experience no, share... Oh, oh, but you enjoy it. You enjoy it. So I know. I just, it's just that, you know, if, after after a busy day, I just it, it's sort of like it's almost mechanic, you know? Yeah, uh, you just battle and battle and just level up, and, and I do the same. Like when I'm when I uh, when I'm extremely tired, you know, for for a work day, and I just want to to like turn off my brain for for like thirty minutes. Uh, I do the exact same thing in in RPG. In fact, last year uh, I, I had the the same experience in Bravely Default um, for the D, for the 3DS. I didn't need to level up. It's just that my my characters were at an insane level in the in the early stages of the game, uh, because then I, I like I want to enjoy the story and try all the different combinations without worrying too much about uh, my level. And the way I think that they, I, that they are like they are structuring these games now differently to the way they used to be, and like so there is so much more experience to be gained. Like, you even get, you know, as we said before, like, you get experience when you catch a Pokemon now. Like, and the experience levels are so much higher, and because it's shared out, they're actually making it so it's not a problem anymore. Like, I have just, like, just mowed through the gym leaders. Like, no, not a problem. Not one of them mm-hmm. has been a problem. Um, 
I don't, yeah, I know. But I get what you're saying. Like my my brother plays usually the way that you do. I don't think yeah. he did this time because mm-hmm. he's he. I don't know if I mentioned to you, but he's already told me that apparently the post game is incredible and like the biggest post game that he's ever. Yeah. He's played them all like I have. He's like this is the biggest that I've seen sort of post game story. Um, so I'm really excited for it, which is why I'm plowing through now because I want to get to that. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to try I, and keep I, my master ball for whatever comes into the post-game. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to try and use Ultra Brawls to catch Kyogre, which is... Should uh, always keep that's a task. Ball. That's a task, man. Like, yeah. But my Dustox... See, this is why I'm happy that I, that I kept him around. He's got like sleep powers and paralyzed powers and stuff like that, so I'm, I'm going to take that Kyogre down. Mm. That's that's good to know. I used to I used to get into, into very passionate arguments uh with uh, one of my one of my best friends from from high school um about the the way the way that I that, that we played uh RPGs uh differently uh I was always into grinding and you know having a higher level than necessary uh because I wanted to focus not on the at least most of the time for like for stupid encounters or you know minor battles i didn't want to focus on the strategy all the time i wanted to enjoy the story to explore to try the different combinations of classes of items and instead it was into uh the strategic part it was it was not into grinding at all like uh it, it didn't like random encounters and he always wanted to suffer through battles to to like to come up with a strategy each time and that, for me, for the way that I like to play um, RPGs, is really uh, frustrating. The way that you know, it's just a, a matter of taste, I guess. And I, I, I think my like this habit was formed when I was very little, like playing the Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and and I, and I, and I realize now that I that I still play in this way in all games that allow me to have some sort of level or skill. Like I make sure that I have a high enough level, like in the super early stages, so I can enjoy and try and explore. You know, I'm super slow with with yeah. these games. I just like to wander around, <laughs> try stuff, waste items, change classes. I don't know. It's just yeah. And I'm doing the same thing with Pokemon, which I realize is not needed, you know, uh, especially because you're telling me so. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a habit that I cannot quit, Mike. Yeah, I, I get anyway. it. We all, we all have our patterns, right? Like my pattern always used to be just pick the grass Pokemon, right, mm-hmm. and just. <laughs> Just level that sucker up until they were like level <laughs> ninety before you get to the and like just beat everyone like even plow through the fire gym leader <laughs> right just go with grass because grass was always grass always had like the better shot at the first instance like especially mm-hmm. in the original games right Venusaur just destroyed Brock yeah. like you li- you you like grass yeah so I always used to go with like Bulbasaur and that sort of stuff but and I never I never went with a water Pokemon so that was why I went with Mudkip this time I thought I'd switch mm-hmm. it up a little bit but I've always gone either grass or fire because they tend to be the cooler looking ones anyway yeah it's like, true it's true like Mudkip mm. I can't remember his second uh, evolution now even though I just went through it a couple of weeks ago it just looks so dumb yeah like just it just <laughs> looks so dumb like you, you, you have you have to admit that that in the first game, uh, what's the name of the the, the fire Pokemon? Um, Charizard, like Charmander. yeah, that, that yeah, that's that was so 
always I mean, the best it's, looking. It's, yeah, it's yep. it's it's a boss, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. Flat out the best, the best yeah. looking. But like, it's I don't know why. Like, if you except for Charizard, mm, actually, except for the first games Pokemon, the second evolution start of Pokemon always looks dumb. I yeah, don't know why they do it. The one in the middle. Like, why do they do it? Like, it's it, it makes it like a punishment. Yeah, to make you feel bad because yeah. you sh- you're supposed to get to the last one. Yep. And now that actually the third evolution, the second evolution is not even the the last one anymore because of all the the mega stuff and the primal reversion. You know, all yeah, the, the, the mega, mega stones. The mega version of um, man, what is wrong with my brain today? Swamper. Yeah, is. Epic. It turns into like this huge thing, like with these huge forearms. It's like a total boss. It's like a tank. Mm-hmm. How do you think the the people who design Pokemon came come up with the designs? Yeah, I don't know. I like, I, I have no what idea. What kind of do imagination it. do you have to 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 apply? <laughs> Some of them like are so clear, right? They're, yeah, they're like animals. Yeah, like they're they're basing it off off animals. Marsh Stomp. That's it. Marsh Stomp looks dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can see that they're basing it from other things in the world, but and some of them are so abstract. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where it comes from. I have no idea where it comes from, but it's it's incredibly creative. Yeah, like I know that for for the first uh, one hundred and fifty one Pokemon, um, the the creator uh, of the series took large inspiration from from his passion for uh, like uh discovering insects and you yeah. know all those different species uh but for the the like starting with with uh golden silver and especially with the original uh ruby and sapphire like some of the pokemon got so abstract and so like it's it's like an like they represent an idea rather than a cre- than, than a creature if that makes any sense and I've always been fascinated by this character design, you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess because each generation of, like, my generation of, like, when I was a kid, I, I remember, like, I associate Pokemon with, you know, the original, the original 151. Uh, but, you know, younger generations, like, they, they, they grew up with black and white, you know, with, and now with X and Y. Always, always cool to, to look at Pokemon designs. Anyway, Mike. I have to say, last thing. Mm-hmm. I really, and this might just be my like nostalgia. I might be biased, but I don't think that they've done any better since the original one fifty. I think, and everything past then, there have been some exceptions, but but by and large, the original one fifty are better than any subsequent hundred and fifty that came afterwards. as a whole. Yeah, as a whole unit. Yeah, yeah. They they are much better looking. I think, and as well, like they, again, like and I think this, and it, but it might just be my affinity. Like there are so many Pokemon that are coming to contact with in these games and I feel like I've never seen them before and I have no idea what they are mm-hmm. and the original 150 I knew inside out like I knew everything about them so that might be it might just be my generation bias like they, the original 150 with the Pokemon of my generation and it might be different for people that are younger oh you know what would be awesome like the first games uh, remastered with the, this new engine and these new mechanics like because I'm praying, oh, I'm playing. They need through. to do it. They need to to go back and do red and blue again with with yeah. the with the this. I mean, I don't see why they wouldn't. It makes sense to me to do it unless Can they imagine unless they really go out different, like into a different direction. Yeah, because I mean, 
I'm playing through Ruby now and it's already more comfortable. And I told you this, it's more comfortable for me because of, you know, because I remember the original game. I cannot imagine how playing through the very first game uh, or like Pokemon Yellow, which I remember even better, I think. Uh, Yeah. Playing through that with this new engine would be amazing. Um, Mike, we we also have some Pokemon follow-up. Yeah, we do. So last week on the show, we were kind of like muddling around trying to find a Pokedex. And a few people sent this in. Uh, there is a Pokedex, Pokedex app for iOS. It, there is an official one. The problem is it sucks. It hasn't been updated since the 22nd of March 2013. And apparently to get all of the Pokedexes, it gets quite expensive. That, that's kind of like the prevailing follow-up that, that we got. Um, but listener Michael sent in some information about Oak. Apparently there is an update for Oak in the works, which includes a visual refresh and an updated uh, database for our own... Uh, for, uh, Alpha and Sapphire for Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Um, nice. So, yeah. Uh, apparently, as well, the data for this that Oak is using comes from a website called Vicoon, um, which Michael highly recommends. I've never never seen that. And apparently all of Vicoon's data is available on GitHub as well. Hmm. So, so it's open source. Open source Pokedex. Yep. Nice. <laughs> So there you go. That's that's our that's our follow up. So it's been a quite an interesting week in video games, and I think this week we're just going to talk about some of the stuff that's happened. Uh, but before we do that, let's thank our sponsor for this week, and that's our friends over at Brave Wave. We've spoke about Brave Wave a few times. We spoke about them last week as well. We had lots of people that were really interested in some of the the chip tune and video game inspired music that we spoke about last week. Well, Brave Wave is the best is the best place on the internet to get a lot of this stuff. They have so much new independent music stuff you've never heard before, stuff that's been created by some composers of some of the some of the composers who create some of the best music in video games, like the composers of some of the Mega Man stuff, Ninja Gaiden, Metal Gear Solid, um, Luftrausers, uh, Ridiculous Fishing. Um, Eric Strucci is part of uh, Brave Wave. He works with Brave Wave, and he created the incredible theme music for this show. These guys know what they're talking about. And for the listeners of Virtual, they're given a special 20% discount. So it's an incredible discount on anything of their catalog of award-winning albums. You just need to use the code YAYMIKE, or one word, (laughs) Y-A-Y-M-Y-K-E at checkout. It's going to get you 20% off. Some of their incredible stuff includes... Uh, World 1-2, which is a mix of new tracks and game remixes, and Influx, which is a bunch of um, new stuff. It's all new music, but it's it's inspired by video games. It's by some of the musicians behind music from Silent Hill, Evanescence, Mega Man, Spelunky, and so many more. So you want to go to bra- store.bravewave.net, use the code YAYMIKE, you can get 20% off some incredible video game music. So thank you so much to Brave, Brave Wave for being great friends of this show. We love them dearly. Have you seen that? Um, Mohammed Tahir, the, the man in charge of Brave Wave, uh, he named his amiibo Vitici. I did see that and gave him <laughs> gave him coffee colored uh, overalls yes. as well, right? Yes, that was um, frankly amazing. Um, so yeah, yeah, great, great guys, great company, great music. Yeah, y- you cannot ask for for a better combo. I Seriously, think. just fan- just just fantastic stuff. Um, there's been a lot of news uh, in the video game industry in the past week. There's been the video game awards. That's where most the, of it came from, as and well. also PlayStation Experience. 
Oh yeah, in Vegas. I, do you know? What? In my brain, I kind of mixed those two things up, but they were yeah, the same because thing, it, so it was all happening in Vegas and in two days. So yeah. it's like sort of like a big mesh of news. Uh, so Mike, the first we have a we have selected a bunch of stuff that we want to talk about. There's just so much, so we we had to pick only a few. Yeah, I, a few I have one more piece of follow up that I forgot to mention. Oh yeah, you do. So, yeah, I, I I ordered my Wii U. Oh, oh yeah, you showed me. You showed me a screenshot of the, the Nintendo yep. website. So I ordered the bundle that comes with the Mario hat, the most important thing. <laughs> uh, and it has new Super Mario Brothers U, new Luigi Brothers U, and mm-hmm. uh, Super Mario 3D World. And I also ordered Mario Kart as well. Do you think you will be able to to wear the hat? Oh, I'm definitely going to be wearing the hat. I'm, that will be my Christmas hat. I will be wearing that hat all day. And I will send you a picture and I will probably post a Mario selfie onto the internet for everybody to enjoy. Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited, Federico. When are you expecting this Wii U to arrive at your doorstep? Oh, it's already here. I haven't I haven't opened oh. the box though because it's a, it's a Christmas present, so I don't that's really nice. So but, you bought a Christmas present for yourself? Uh well I was I was given the money by members of my family to, to buy it, so Nice. Otherwise, really I would sweet. be playing it already. <laughs> very excited. Very excited. Yeah, we gotta play Mario Kart online. Yes, we definitely will. That can for sure be a game that we will actually play together online. That is yeah. if we can work out how to be friends. Yeah, it's a, we need to. I, I'm pretty sure there's a tutorial we can look at, <laughs> <laughs> but then we can also set up like a virtual uh, group. You know. That would be a lot of fun. We could we could yeah. set up one of those. I think you can set up like Grand Prix, right? Yeah, yeah. We could do one of those. Yeah. Finally, do it. We've been we've been threatening to do. We've threatened to do it in directional. We've been <laughs> threatening to do it all the way through virtual to actually do some sort of online game tournament, and maybe this will be finally the thing that pushes us over the edge. So let's talk cool. about some of the stuff that's happened this week, Federico. Well, I think the the best way to kick off this series of links is to talk about No Man's Sky. Yep. And we were shown at the Video Game Awards and the following day at PlayStation Experience two different uh, gameplay trailers uh, for No Man's Sky, which is the game, uh, very anticipated game coming from Hello Games, an indie studio based in the UK, Mike. And it's a procedurally generated uh, sci-fi space adventure exploration game. And we don't really know what the game is all about, but basically the, the basic... Concept is that there's this universe, and it's in theory, uh, uh, you know, an infinite universe, and it's different each time from for each player. And you can explore whatever you want. You can you can use your uh, your spaceship to to move from planet to planet, and everything is procedural. So uh, every every animal, every planet, every star, every you know, every different. Um, like I'm pretty sure the wind is always is also procedural in some ways. I think you can uh, kind of assume it all is. All it's like based yeah. on this crazy system that generates everything on the fly, um, and it's unique to each player. So we were shown these two videos. Uh, it looks really really good. So this is and, the thing, you know, it says it's unique to each player. So uh-huh. I'm not sure about that, right? Because when in the gameplay video, it mm-hmm. says. Um, like when somebody lands on a planet, it says first discovered by. Yeah, that's also what I wanted to talk about. And my understanding is, because I've seen this in previous things, is you 
can actually find other people in the game. It's just incredibly difficult. And we're all in the same universe. That's that's my understanding. It, the thing is, it is very cagey because they're being very cagey. So it can be quite difficult to track yeah. what they're saying and, and that kind of stuff. But my understanding is is that like that it's um it's very difficult to come across other people. Uh, but we are everybody is kind of involved in the same universe. Or maybe it's it's just like some stuff is uh shared across universes. Like yeah. like in the theory of um what's the name of like um I was reading a few a few years ago uh, about this theory of uh, quantum physics um and like the th- the theory of parallel universes and that like some basic concept concepts of are the same across different realities uh it's just that then each universe takes a different a different direction right. and so like there can be a mic in both universes there but should be. In, in, in yeah i mean of course in what universe mic uh, is about it's a podcaster in other universe is a soccer player uh-huh you know and maybe maybe that's the same concept maybe like I don't know. It's it's really fascinating. What also what I want to I, I wouldn't say a concern, but really just a, a question: uh, what the game is all about? <laughs> because I know that you right. can move around, yeah, you can explore. So, what else I, can you do? Again, my understanding of how they're pitching this is very much in the Minecraft mm, kind of mm-hmm. way. Hello Games. I've shown more stuff now, like that there are that there is progression you can make. There are things that you can do. You can trade. You can defend ships. You can become involved with groups that are there. You can, and and the the idea, like if you were to come up with a reason for something to exist, like so, like if you, that's that's not what I meant to say. Like if you, an ultimate goal, mm. right? The ultimate goal is to get to the center of the universe. So that's the ultimate goal in the game, in the same way that like you have an ultimate goal at the end of Minecraft, it's like the Neverworld and that kind of thing. There is something that's there, but you don't have to do it. You can do whatever you want. That's maybe you need of... to find maybe you need to find God. Well, I think they're kind of saying maybe that is what it is. <laughs> I mean that that could lit- that would make sense like that could be what's at the center and, and of the universe. Of, and instead of God, you, you find a giant face of uh, Shahid Ahmad. Again, that, <laughs> I, would ex- I would kind of expect that to happen. Actually, that would be fantastic it as an ending. It would be incredible. <laughs> and it, it's like he's in the middle of the universe and he's smoking a cigar. I'm pretty sure it would be the perfect video game at that point. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, so I, I think that it's kind of like... They, I think they're kind of pitching it in this like you shouldn't care what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. just you just do whatever it is you want to do, and and I think that they're trying to be quite cagey and say like you can do this, you can do this, you can do this if do this if you want to. Like that's kind of how they're pitching it. I think. I think. Uh, yeah. I think I saw an indicator for like uh, bullets in the in the video. Yeah, you, you there there is weapons. There yeah. Is weapons. Okay. Because, like, there's, you know, I read this other thing where they're like, there's also this, like, um, I can't think of the correct the, the, the terminology that they use, like, some sort of like uh, galactic police type type deal, and 
if you do too much, like you trade too much, because you can you can take resources from one planet and trade them with another. And if you start to do too much of that and you collect goals, things like that, it alerts the police, you have to hide from them. And they try, you kind of have to, like, there's like a, a get way that you play the game. So you try not to draw too much attention to yourself. And I am so excited. I, I, the level of excitement I have for this game is so high. I want it so bad. I just cannot. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for No Man's Sky. Yeah. I can see that I will put... I mean, just looking at it, who knows what it's going to be like, right? It could, it could suck. It doesn't look like it will, but it, it could suck. Uh, I can just imagine sinking hours, hundreds of hours into it. Uh, I'm so excited for it. So excited. Yeah. It's next year, right? That's all we know. We next know. year. Yeah. And it looks like... I mean, if if everything goes as planned, uh, it looks like the game that you really want to get a PS4. Uh, you know, yeah, it's just the type of game that PlayStation are lucky. Like they're going. This yeah. is going to be a big console mover. Yeah. Um, and the, I don't. I there's still so many things that I don't understand. Like how did a team so small based in London yeah, pull this off? I don't know. It it doesn't make sense. Like these guys made Joe Danger. Like yeah. Joe Danger is a really fun game. Joe Danger is not like an incredibly complex game and this looks to be one of the most complex games ever made like if you look at Minecraft this is if you look at it graphically and stuff like that it's so far above I mean who knows what it's going to be like but if it's as much as they say it's going to be like you know the idea that we spoke about on this show before of like there could be planets the size of earth in this universe like how are they doing this that's why that's why I thought that uh, I think at least that there's a like maybe one person came up with this idea of an algorithm capable of generating words that make sense and in that case maybe a single person like like I can I can understand how a single person can come up with a kind of idea and then because if you want to design this huge world manually you need a huge team but if the, the the universe is based on um, basically on mathematics, uh, it kind of makes sense, you know, that, that it's a small team. Well, yeah, but the the assets still have to be created. Yeah, that's. But still, it's not a manual design like pixel by pixel. Every world isn't designed by a human, like individually. Yeah, is it, that's what you're saying, right? If, yeah. if I'm following you, yeah, like all of the assets are, but they can reuse the assets in yeah. interesting ways. And like interchange them and like yeah. mix them, you know. I guess that's why this is possible for that small team. I, I, otherwise, they're like superhumans. I don't know. I just they can't probably get, are. I just can't get spore out of my mind though. Yeah, that's I know. that's my thing about this. Like, obviously, it's not fair to to, to like, like, do that. You know that kind of game that it's super hyped by the press, and then it gets a seven. Out of ten, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, and it's yeah. because they they seem so similar, like just in some of the things that they're doing and the way it looks, uh, and it seems that like this impossibly large game, you know. So I, mm-hmm. I can't get spore out of my mind, but I know, I know. Uh, back on Earth, Mike. Um, Please, do you ever cross the street? Quite a bit, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. It, in Germany, if you want to, to cross the street in Germany, uh, you may be able to play Pong while you're waiting for the light to, to turn green. Um, so there's this project called Street Pong, 
which used to be a concept video. Now, thanks to crowdfunding, it's become a real thing. And there's like actual working prototypes. Uh, it's uh, basically these um, these engineers uh, devised these devices uh, that use a wireless connection to let you play Pong uh, using multi-touch on this little display installed uh, on the crosswalk uh, with the other person on the other on the other side of the street, and you can play Pong while you wait. And and it, it doesn't make any sense when I when I explain it. If you go look, yeah, at, no, I get it, I get it. Like, like, yeah, super nice. And there's like what a fun uh, idea. It's a fun idea. It's a fun idea. And uh, maybe we could we could you know, Mike, we could cross the street together, and hopefully it it won't end up like Crossy Road, uh, but instead we'll 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 play street pong against each other. In London, you just go around and cross the street and play street punk together. What a great idea! We'll just yeah. you walk on one side of the road, I'll walk yeah, on the other. Yeah, we set up we, we set up the same the same itinerary in the in the maps app, and then you start from from point A. I start from point B, and then we we meet each other and we play street punk. Well, one of us can use. Google Maps, one of us can use Apple Maps, and we'll see how we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that will make sure that we get we get lost uh, sooner <laughs> so so we we can meet and and play. Um speaking of getting lost, see how I'm just, you know, connecting topics just today. Tying it all together, it's fantastic. Tying it all together. Speaking of getting lost, have you watched the new Zelda Wii U trailer? I have indeed. It's not really a trailer though, is it? It's a, no, it's not a trailer. It, well, I thought it was a trailer because during the Video Game Awards, uh, they, they kept saying that there was an exclusive reveal uh, at the end of the show. Uh, it turns out that it was a, there was a, a Zelda uh, gameplay video um, with Eiji Aonuma and Shigeru Miyamoto playing the game at the offices of Nintendo Japan uh, and just talking about the game. So this is like, uh, what is it, a four-minute video? Yeah. Maybe less. Yeah, there are thereabouts. Um, and it's it's a really strange choice, uh, I think, because two reasons. Uh, first one, the video really focuses on the interactions between these two people rather than the game itself. Yep. So the, the TV is really distant from the camera. <laughs> I think that's purposeful, though. Probably, probably, and we can talk about this. Yeah. Um, and the second, the second strange thing is that it's not the kind of video that really lends itself to a big reveal in a video game awards show. Like it's maybe this is more like a, at least the way that I see it, it's more like a Nintendo Direct video rather than a big reveal end of the show trailer. And it was a strange choice because also it was uh, it was uh, displayed at a, a at an American show, so they needed to put on the translation on top of the original Japanese voices, uh, which meant that the, basically all the sound effects and the music was lost during the video uh, because of the voiceover. And so you can go to YouTube and there's the original Japanese version that lets you uh, lets you hear the original voices with no voiceover so you can hear the sound effects better. But still, what's really strange is that it looks huge, like enormous. It's the, the, the world of this new Zelda, which we already knew was going to be an open world type of game. Uh, but from what they showed uh, from the, the screens of the map of the game, which will be available on the gamepad of the Wii U, it looks huge, much, much bigger than Wind Waker. And 
But the problem is that, to me at least, uh, it looked a bit empty and maybe lifeless. I think it's. I think it's too soon. It's too soon. It's basically an alpha. I think the thing is, point. though, like, and the thing that cannot be denied when you watch this footage is this is next generation Zelda. Like, yeah, it looks great. It looks really impressive. Like, yeah, when the world could... the world is so big that it kind of feels like there's nothing in it. But I feel like that they were t- that they were showing us a specific place which was just greenery, because I feel like that's maybe the bit that they've got nailed down the most. Um, I liked the video. I thought it was weird, uh, but fun. Like, I liked that they were, like, ribbing each other, you know? Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, well, how Star Fox <laughs> yeah. coming along then, big yeah. guy, you know? It's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it wasn't scripted. Yeah, yeah. it was it, really interesting. Um I find it weird that we're not seeing Star Fox. Yeah. Because that didn't didn't uh Miyamoto said that Star Fox would be out before this. Yeah, and he also had a demo um at E3 to show the gamepad functionality for what people supposed was going to be a new Star Fox game. You remember that Miyamoto had all these different demos that people were freaking out. Well, they weren't demos, were they? They were weird games he was making. Like, like mini games, yeah. like the camera game and the and robot the, the giant game. robot game. Like, yeah. What the hell? And the giant then, robot game was really weird. Do you know what I really liked about this Zelda footage and something I thought was so Nintendo is the way that the horse will never run into a tree. Yeah, that's all. That's I think that's inspired by. Um, like it's not the first game that that does this. It, it is very Nintendo, but it's not the first game because it's in. Um, John Syracuse, I can cannot pass out here. In Shadow of the Colossus, the 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 sequel to Eco on PlayStation Two, um, there was a the horse uh, which was named Argo. Uh, I think it was uh, designed in a way that it couldn't run into trees. Oh, okay, but it's a very Nintendo thing because you know Epona it has a history with the Nintendo. Um, but yeah, the the way that they. They talked about it was very like like when you when you watch Miyamoto ex- explaining this detail, uh, it, it really makes sense if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. of course they would do this. I also like the fact that you can jump from from the horse and and shoot uh, arrows at enemies, and like there's slow motion when you do that. That was really nice. Um, yeah, I'm just a bit skeptical, I guess, about you know it's it's what if the entire world is so empty. But on the other hand, I'm super excited because it's so huge. I mean, uh, th- there's a video that Polygon also posted today uh, from this uh, channel on YouTube uh, called Game Explain. And basically, this guy took uh, this video that, that is more than 20 minutes long. Um, he, he basically discovered every minor detail from the video. Like, he figures out that like the interface of the game, he, he zooms into the television in the video, and he, and he shows you how the cursor changes when 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 you when you mark a spot on the map, and he and he has an approximation of the size of the world. He says that it's basically sixty times what we what we were shown in the in the in the video, based on the on the couple of frames that it, that yeah. uh, they show when they when they zoom in and out of the map. 
So you, you run the calculation. To, to, to it's it's crazy. Go watch the video. If you have 20 minutes, you don't know what to do. Uh, go watch the video about Zelda uh, for Wii U. It, so yeah, it looks to be huge, like so big. Um, I, I, and I, I'm kind of always concerned about these kind of games that have a huge overworld and I don't know what to do and do I get lost? Is it boring? You know, uh, because I always fear that open world, um, when you don't have the constraints of a, of a, you know, of level design, when you don't have the constraints of a, of a, of a very closed and guided uh, storyline, you tend to shove so much stuff into a game and basically like GTA, you know, you waste so many hours just going around and killing people and exploring, you lose track of the main game. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want Zelda to become that kind of game. Like, I, I like that Zelda has a, even if basic, uh, storyline. But on the, see, I'm very conflicted. On the other hand, I'm super excited about the idea of just wandering around with Link and, and Epona. Oh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm seventy percent excited, thirty uh, percent uh, concerned. Is is that a fair math? I think you? that's a, a good math okay. ratio okay. right now for this. Yeah, I have many feelings about Zelda, Mike. Yeah, that that's why I think for you to to have that <laughs> ratio is good. I think yeah. something I'm very excited about. Tomorrow, as we record this, Friday the 12th, Papers, Please is heading to the iPad. Yes. Which I am happy about because it means you will get to play it. Yeah, but there's a problem, right? I saw so many it's people... It's not uh, a big problem. So can you... T- do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the so... Or changes. Right, so basically, one of the things in this game is... Uh, you can skip like we explained papers please before you're basically a boarding like a border crossing guard like an immigration agent uh working in a communist nation um so you have to check people's documents and things like that and one of the the things about this game is you can uh at some point you have to you can choose to scan people um and Mm -hmm. in the scanning uh you you see them naked right like the like the TSA yeah. in the in the US. Okay. Apple asked for them to remove that. Of course. Uh I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's well it's not a big surprise for sure. <laughs> um I don't know because I haven't played the original game. I don't know if it, that does it affect the game. I didn't get that think? far. So maybe okay. it does. That's like a later level. I I I didn't get that far, but I want to. Yeah, play I want to want to play this game. <laughs> uh, me, I mean, it was like indie game of the year uh, last yeah. year. Yeah, it won some kind of contest or award. I love that it was announced that it even existed two days yeah. before it's coming onto the store. <laughs> yeah, awesome <laughs> strategy. <laughs> yeah, get all the people excited. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna I wanna play this game. I'm, I'm I've been meaning. You know, it's uh, I think it was only on Steam. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna get it on the on the iPad. Um, also, last week, PSX, which stands for PlayStation Experience, many 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 Vita announcements. A lot of games coming to our dear portable console. Broken Age from Double Fine, which I loved on the iPad, is launching on Vita next year. Uh, there's episode two coming uh, in January, I think. Yeah. And I'm super excited. 
um, Day of the Tentacle, another remake of a classic uh, adventure game. Now, the next one is kind of awesome and weird. Super Time Force Ultra, which we played on Xbox. Yeah. It's coming to Vita. Yeah. And it's coming with exclusive content <laughs> in the form of uh, PlayStation executive uh, Shuei Yoshida available as a character. And his weapon is he shoots tweets and emojis. Like he shoots hashtags. <laughs> people <laughs> oh so good so uh, good the best part is that i read about this uh like how did um what's the name of the this, the indie Cappy studio games how did Capy games convince sony to make uh you know this uh, executive <laughs> available as a, as, a, oh, as a pixelated character he must love it like this is seem like he's so like <sighs> He's a laid-back guy. Yeah, he's and just, he's always, he's awesome. like, tweeting to, like, Mike Beethoven <laughs> yes. and people like that. Like, he's in. Like, he loves this yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. So, basically, I read, I think, on Polygon or Eurogamer, uh, they basically, they just made a mock-up of the character. They went to Sony, and they were like, hey, do you like us to, to, do, to have Yoshida in the game? And they loved it. So they convinced them to, to put Yoshida in the game as a character who shoots tweets because he's always tweeting, you know? He's always talking about stuff on Twitter. And so, yeah, you can go watch the. There's a video. Actually, go to the PlayStation uh, channel on YouTube. There's a lot of trailers, including the Super Time for Sultra announcement and Shue uh, Yoshida uh, trailer. Um, Tiny Cartridge. Great website that I always mention as a list of all these uh, cool games coming to PS Vita. Um, so great, Octod right? Octodad next yep. year also. Awesome. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2, The Banner Saga, Towerfall, which you, you would loved. Love Towerfall. Uh, and oh, on PS4 on as PS4, well. On PS4. On PS4. It was an Uya I mean, it was an Uya exclusive. Yeah. And then it came to PS4 and now to PS Vita. So amazing. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff coming to PS Vita, including... Uh, indie Game of the Year at yes. Video Game Awards, Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight. We interviewed... Help me out with the name. Uh, I'm always bad at people's names. Why have you done this to me right now? I don't know. Um, I think it was David from Yacht Games. Yep. Or Dan. I'm, I'm on my way. Like, David D'Angelo. See? Uh, David. You did it. Uh, don't doubt yourself. We, we had an interview. We loved the game. Yep. So Shovel Knight is coming to, P to PS Vita. And also this is kind of, I don't know. Um, there's a Kratos, the, the God of War character, available in Shovel Knight. Um, as, you know, alongside the, the main character. There was a video showing Kratos uh, in the game. I don't know how I feel about it. It's one of those content exclusives uh, that I guess... You know, big platform owners convince smaller companies to, to have, you know? Yep. But I mean, it. I like it. You know, it's Shovel Knight. It's awesome anyway. So the PS Vita, it's, it's nice that it's still around. It's definitely become a, an indie machine, you know, to play all these indie games and to play, I guess, remakes of old PlayStation games. And I think I'm fine with that, honestly. Uh, I would like to see more and more original games on Vita, uh, but even if I can play, you know, uh, ports of uh, console games on a, on a portable device, that's also fine with me. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, many, many PlayStation news. Uh, we talked about this, I don't know if privately or also last week, uh, the special edition of the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah it was we- privately. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the 20th, you, the 20th uh, anniversary PlayStation. We did. T- I'm sure we spoke about the 20th anniversary PlayStation last week. Yeah, we did. We spoke about that last week. But we didn't know about the the special edition. No, we did. Yeah, it's in the show notes for last week's episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, But now this week, they went on sale in certain locations, including in the UK, where they set up a 1994 shop where they were selling. Ah, yes. They sold 94 of these for £19.94. Why didn't you get one? I'll tell you why. Okay. uh, There must be a good reason for this, man. Yeah. So I was looking, basically they set up the shop in a place called Bethnal Green in London. I knew exactly where it was going to be. Um, you had to take some memorabilia with you, like some old mm. PlayStation memorabilia. And the only things that I have in my house here are PS2 memorabilia. And it was unclear. Some websites are saying it had to be from the PSX era, but it seemed like the actual PlayStation access announcement for it seemed like they just was like any PlayStation memorabilia. So I went onto their Twitter account, the PlayStation UK Twitter account, to take a look to see if they'd had any clarifications. And I looked at their app mentions and there were hundreds <laughs> a P- and like I was reading them saying like we'll be driving down from Scotland which is a six, which is like a t- eight to nine hour drive what time do we, do we need to be there and I was like I'm not doing this and then the, the next day the Engadget had a good article about it all the guy who got the first one had been in line for 16 hours Jeez. I'm not doing that yeah I'm not doing that <laughs> okay there's a, that's a good reason Mike. Yeah. For, for, for a I know it's like because look some people sold them one of them sold for 20 grand uh, which is ridiculous. Twenty grand. Uh, everybody involved in the the sale and of of that needs to be spoken to in some strong, yes. some strong yes. ways. Just too much. It's just ridiculous. The guy shouldn't have sold it in the first place because you're like you are depriving somebody that would have waited in line for the thing. Um. Uh. And uh, yeah. And so I wasn't going to do that. Something cool that I thought that Sony did over the next two days after that, they were selling, I think, 50 on the Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. uh, at like full retail value. And the people that were in line for the cheap one, they got given a wristband so they could go back oh, and buy one the nice. next day. Nice. I mean, obviously, you're paying full whack for it, but they're selling that. And now, so in the UK and I think in the rest of Europe on Monday, so I think what what date is Monday? Monday is the fifteenth of December. They're going to be mm-hmm. selling them online. Cool. So you know, I I I love how you say shop, <laughs> like there was a PlayStation shop. There was. There was. That's so. That's so British of you. It was a throwback. Like they had all old PlayStation stuff there, and they had like some exclusive things you could buy. Like PlayStation socks. If they have, if they ever do this in Italy. I will go to my old, to my parents' garage. I will take my box of old PlayStation stuff and I'll just drop the box on the counter and say, "Here, take all my old stuff and give me a PS4." <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wish I could have gotten one, but you know, I, I'm not. I'm 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 not gonna wait in line for eighteen hours. It's just as soon as I saw what it was like, I, I knew I would never have gotten one because I would have already needed to be waiting in line. Yeah. Well, Mike, uh, maybe you will be able to 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 win 
won someday with some sort of contest. Yeah, I'll enter all the contests. You, you, you have to enter all the contests, Mike. Uh, PS4 made me think of uh, Square Enix, which is doing something that I don't really understand, uh, which drives me crazy. So I opened Twitter on Saturday, and I read uh, Final Fantasy VII is coming back to PS4, and my heart jumped because it's the kind of news that I've been waiting for since I was basically 10, you know, to have a modern remake of Final Fantasy VII, which has the best uh, story of Final Fantasy ever made, aside, of course, from Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, But instead, Square Enix is putting the old PC remake, which is really a high-resolution version uh, of the the original game. It's not much of a remake, it's just like high-res textures. Um, And they they are porting that version to PS4, and that's it. It's no remake, it's no, you know, it's there's no exclusive content, there's no nothing, it's just the original PlayStation game with high-res textures, and that's it. And it's really sad, um, because everybody's waiting for... I don't think Square Enix understands the potential for uh, a real HD Final Fantasy VII remake, which is, again, sad. What is not sad, Mike, is that Square Enix is also working on Bravely Second, which is the, sec- the, the official sequel to, uh, my, I think, my favorite um, RPG for the 3DS, Bravely Default. Uh, Bravely Second is coming to 3DS in Japan next April 23, I think, uh, 2015. I'm super excited. Uh, I haven't had this much fun with a portable RPG in years. I'm looking forward to the second game. Very much. Very much looking forward to the game. We talked about the bu- really a bunch of good news today, man. I know. A lot of, lot of co- Where can people find the show notes, Mike? With all these links. You want to fire up your console of choice? Go to relay.fm slash virtual slash 17 and we'll have a bunch of great links for you there. Yeah. Including this awesome story from Andy Bio. Oh, I know, right? Do you want to tell me more about it? Mike? So, Andy Bio, um, the guy behind uh, Waxy.org, XOXO, um, upcoming and loads of loads of fantastic projects, wrote a Medium post where he basically detailed from his son, basically an experiment that he wanted to play on his son <laughs> from over the last 10 years. Uh, he has been taking his son through the history of video gaming. Rather than giving him a Nintendo DS, you know, to to start off his video game uh, life, he decided instead that uh, he wanted to take his son. I think it's maybe his son's like 10 now, I think, and it was over maybe the last five years or something. He took him through video games. So started him off with like Pac-Man, looked like a plug-and-play set with like a joystick, through to the Nintendo through to the SNES, to the N64, and then to, I think to the PS2, and then to modern day. It's like he's taken him over this journey over the last five years. And his son is incredible at video games. Like, yeah. insane. So one thing is he has beat Spelunky, which is incredibly hard to do, and then beat 
the hell mode of Spelunky, which I didn't even know existed, is 15 randomly generated levels and then trick the final boss into killing itself. You then get to go to hell that you have to perform a series of specific rituals in a specific order using unique objects that crop up in different places each time and then defeat the boss in a particularly audacious way to use his death as a stepping stone to the underworld. That is how you complete, complete Spelunky. And Derek Yu, the creator of Spelunky, says that he thinks he's the youngest person to have ever done it. Oh, and he beat Nuclear Throne. Of course. Of course he did. <laughs> of course. Yeah, man, this is this is such a great story. And I mean it makes me it makes me want to try this strategy myself someday. Yep. Because I think he you he, using this uh this you know this this sort of uh way of introducing someone else to video games, you develop quickly at a very young age when you when you absorb and learn, you know, a lot of things. Uh, in the in the real world, using this strategy, you 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 inject this sort of appreciation for games and technology in general, because then when you sit down, maybe a couple of years down the road, and you say, "What I just showed you happened in in the arc of twenty years," so you need to appreciate, you know, all the progress. I think that's a that's a great way to just make some make a young kid care about video games as a as a as a as a medium, you know, made by people over time with passion and with technology that changes. It's so, so yeah. awesome on many different levels. Yeah. Yeah. Really. yeah I, w- I want to, I want to do this eventually. <laughs> yeah. Just absolutely love it. Um, last thing we're going to talk about today. I, I don't even really know what to say. Like Nintendo are just doing something mental again with Amiibo. Uh, basically, as far as I can tell, some amiibo are going out of stock. Mm-hmm. Um, like some of the lesser known characters, like the Wii Fit cha- Trainer and stuff like that. Nintendo then issued like a press release saying that they weren't going to be restocking them. And then different territories in Nintendo have been saying different things. Mm-hmm. And Nintendo have clarified it now of another statement, which doesn't really say anything. Like, it's really difficult to try and understand because all they're basically saying now is like there will be Amiibo in stock, but they're not really saying they're going to keep the entire first run in stock. Uh, They keep talking about shelf space. Like you can only sell these things in physical stores, apparently. Has anybody ever heard of the internet? Um, Yeah, I, I don't really know what they're doing with this. It just seems like another... It's, it's not, really confusing. It's really they're saying two yeah, different things it's now. It's not a problem that they're making a decision about what they want to stock. It's that they can't seem to give a clear answer about it. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah. It could be maybe they don't even know what they want to do. Yep. Again, it feels like that crazy split in the company. You know, that some territories are doing things one way, don't know what the other part's doing. Yeah, it's just this peculiar. And unfortunately, typical weirdness from Nintendo. Yeah. It's not really surprising, uh, but because it, it is new territory for the company, you know, making toys, uh, I think that now it's it's weird, especially before Christmas. You know, maybe there's parents who wanted to buy all the figurines but couldn't buy them in time, uh, you know, before Christmas. Uh, it, it's strange, you know, because it's it's not a video game that if you don't find the game at the store, you, you're just like, okay, I'll just download it from the eShop. Uh, this is a toy, you know, and you want to, you only can get the physical version, of course. And 
maybe Nintendo di- didn't plan this much, or maybe they didn't expect, you know, all these people to buy Amiibos. Because I went to the GameStop here in Rome myself, uh, to, the, to the closest one that I have, um, and sure enough, all the popular Amiibos were sold out. Uh, hmm. I only could find a bunch of Samus figurines. Um, what else? I couldn't even find the Wi-Fi trainer, honestly. Uh, there was Samus and Marth. Oh, no, 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 Samus and Star Fox, I think. Yeah. Those are not really popular. I mean, can, I can understand why people want Mario and, and Pikachu. You know? Those are the popular figurines. Uh, I want to get one. Pikachu was, was bigger than I thought, honestly. But, uh, you know, my girlfriend didn't want me to buy it, didn't want me to buy toys. It, she said I was too old for that. I, I said this is different. Yeah, she just doesn't care. But now I need to figure out. I probably can sneak in a few toys uh, for Christmas. Just say, just my parents bought those for me. You know, I will come up with a strategy. I feel so young. I feel so young again. <laughs> We're young at heart, man. You know, so yeah. say these things keep me young. You want me to be an old man? Exactly. It's just difficult to explain, you know, toys with chips inside. Yeah. I will I will I will devise a strategy, Mike. Well, so many video game news. I still need to get a PS4. I will eventually. I don't know if I can if I can get one this month, Mike. No, no, because now I'm a I'm a I'm an adult. I I got bills, man, and expenses. I thought you were getting one for Christmas. I don't know. I don't know. I'm. Gotta, I need to ask get man. one before No Man's Sky. Uh, I, sh- I will leave you in the dust, buddy. I know. I know. I should probably do like you did and ask my parents for yeah. <laughs> for a console. <laughs> For yeah. the, to ask to the family by by Federico a PS4. I would probably do that. You know, I want everybody to to, to contribute to my. What a great idea! Let's 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 crowd let's crowdsource your your PlayStation Four. Yeah, and then uh, now seriously, I want, I need to buy one myself. But an idea would be to to convince my family to to you know to do some. To collect the funds, and then I will yep. give a shout out to each member yep. on the podcast. That's that's what I did for uh, for the Wii U. So, so we need to to thank your your relatives. Yes. Okay. We can do that. Where, where can people find your relatives? <laughs> I'm not even going into that. <laughs> this is, I think, this is the only show that members of my family listen to. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hi, Mike's family. Uh, I'd like to say hello to my sister-in-law. I won't give her name because that's crazy, but hello. So it's yeah. weird, like, so something happens. My nephew uh, sometimes walks into the room and he's, like, looking around for me. Mm-hmm. He's like, where's Uncle Michael? <laughs> he's like, no, he's not, he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking on the computer. Just me. <laughs> like, Poor boy, he has no oh, idea what's so going cute. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, anyway, thanks so I much. I will, I will, I will buy a PS4 myself. I know do that it. I got bills, but you know it's a PS4, so you got to do it. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Virtual. If you'd like to find us online, I am I Mike. I am Y K E Federico's at Vitici V I T I C C I, and he writes the fantastic MacStories.net. We'll be back next week with another episode of your favorite video game podcast. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.